The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome to the show, everyone. And I believe today this will be, during the year, one of our most important shows. I know that when I first heard about Kevin by reading one of his books, well, as you can see, I've never been the same because it had such an impact on me as I believe it will on you. But with him, we can make a difference. Kevin is the co-founder of Free the Slaves, an abolitionist, a speaker, an author, to me, a great civil rights leader, and I have him as a guest guest every year. That book I'm talking about, Disposable People, New Slavery in a Global Economy, as I said, I've never been the same since I read the book. To me, he is really a champion. So, Kevin, welcome to the show. Oh, it's so great to be here again. Thank you so much. You're really almost too kind. No, I don't think so. Maybe not kind enough because of what you're doing, but I know with our huge listening audience that there are some people who have not heard you speak and do not understand why you got involved in the work you do. So could you take a minute and explain that? Oh, of course. You know, I I lived for many years in London where I was a university teacher, and it was there that I bumped into a leaflet uh, at a public event, and the outside of this leaflet said, there are millions of slaves in the world today. It must have been about 1994. And I looked at that leaflet and thought, how can that be true? Isn't slavery all finished? I mean, that, that can't be right. Uh, I had actually worked in human rights before that, done work on death row in the South and, and things to do with torture and prisons and that kind of thing. But I just couldn't believe that this was right. But it really piqued my curiosity, and I began to dig and dig into the issue and discovered, gosh, there is slavery out here. There is slavery around the world. And the more I discovered, the more I realized that, in fact, there was there was more lurking in the shadows. So I began a very long, about a seven-year research project that led to, to the book Disposable People. And and I have to tell you what started off as a, as a matter of, of curiosity turned into a matter of commitment because it was one thing to try to dig around and find the information and the numbers, but when I began to meet people in slavery, you know, teenage girls enslaved in prostitution in Thailand or whole families enslaved in hereditary slavery in rural India, uh, I, it changed me. And I, and I realized it, I, I didn't need to go back to the classroom right away. It was time for me to, to do something about this issue and make sure people hear about it. And so you did. And I know for some of you listening to this show, you're thinking, what? How could there be slavery in the world today? But there are different forms of slavery, and I know there are 27 million slaves in the world today, shocking, 15,000 in the United States. And I know when I first, I was telling Kevin before the show, when I first read about this, I thought, impossible. How could we possibly have this in the United States? So, Kevin, why don't you explain that and also explain, you know, how this is allowed to happen in the United States and what can we all do to help you stop it? Certainly. I mean, the, the, the number of people enslaved in the United States may be a bit higher than what you said. It's probably more like 40,000 people. Oh, my on, God, that's even a- worse. On a, on a conservative, on a fairly conservative estimate. But most of the people, a lot of the people, I should say, who are enslaved in the United States are, are, I think people that, that most of your listeners do have a sense of, you know, victims of what's called human trafficking. And it could be women brought to the United States, tricked and then forced into commercial sexual exploitation. 
It, it, it can also be domestic servants who are lured over with the promise of a job to be a nanny or or, or whatever in a, in a, or a maid and then enslaved in, in someone's home, or it can be agricultural workers. So those are the three largest categories of people who are enslaved in the United States. But it's also true that criminals are very creative. They're very tricky. And uh, it's kind of amazing all the different jobs that we have found people caught up in slavery in the backs of restaurants, uh, herding sheep in the Rockies, uh, working as uh, braiding hair in, on Long Island, uh, it, it, it's all over the place. And it exists in large part because while we were able to enact a pretty good law on this in, in Congress in the year 2000, we still really haven't put any resources behind solving the problem. It's been much better under President Obama in terms of the amount of resource uh, put to the problem of contemporary slavery and human trafficking in the United States. Uh, even given the recession that's occurred. But so far, we, we don't have enough trained police and we don't have enough trained uh, people in the social services. And, and really, you know, what we've learned is that we have to do things like train nurses and doctors in, uh, in emergency rooms, train even uh, meter readers, people who go out and check gas and electric meters, just to keep their eyes open for those signs that somebody might be caught up in a human trafficking or a modern slavery situation in America. I'm just wondering, when you go to any of these restaurants, agriculture, whatever it is, and you see a large number of people from another country and they do not speak English, you know, does that ever, is that ever a sign that could be slavery? It's a sign that there could be slavery. And, you know, I want to emphasize that. Uh, if you go to South Florida, for example, you'll see a lot of people in the fields picking tomatoes, picking oranges, uh, fruits and vegetables. And that doesn't mean that they're all caught up in slavery. But what you do find is that if you, if you speak the language and you walk into the field and begin to chat with, with workers, some of them will tell you, you know, I really hate my boss and I really think this is not a great, a very well-paid job and, and I'm a little uh, unhappy. But others will be fearful, they'll be terrified, they'll be beaten down, they'll look hungry, they'll look terrorized. And you begin very quickly to get the idea something else is going on here besides just a, 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 a not very good job. And then if you were to say follow those workers when they're loaded back on a bus at the end of the day, you'd probably find that they're all being driven to one little place where they're sleeping, you know, 20 or 30 people in a, in a one-bedroom apartment where somebody else is in there with a pistol to make sure that they don't walk out. So it's not that every, you know, exploited or just people with, a, with not a very good job are caught up in slavery, but there, there are people who are. And we have to, we have to look for those warning signs and, and, and know how to find them because they can even be in people's neighborhoods, you know, enslaved as domestic servants. Well... We have a question for you from Alinda in San Francisco, uh, and the question is, uh, first, Mr. Bills, thank you for what you're doing. It is hard to imagine this goes on. My question is, if someone is in slavery in the United States, why would they stay? Why would they not ask for help? That's a great question. I have to say that's an excellent question, because that's, that's what any sort of normal American is going to ask uh, when, they, when they first begin to think about it. But the answer is, is a lot to do with what happens when a person is really brutalized. What happens when a person is held against their will? You see, when we meet people who are caught up in slavery, we discover that they've been sleep-deprived, food-deprived, they've been beaten up, they've very often been... Um, sexually assaulted, they are, they are in shock. They have a very tough time to do anything to get away. And then, remember, you know, imagine if you've been beaten up and assaulted, and then you, the thing that you're told constantly is, the police in this country will kill you if they find you. The police in this country will attack you. Uh, and, of course, not only that, but if you if you escape and we find you, we'll kill you. And we'll not just kill you. We're going to kill, and this is very common, 
will kill your family back in the country that you come from. There's always threats to the families of the people who are trafficked. So you can begin to see why it's, it's like being a kidnapping victim. You're being held against your will. Violence is being used against you in a very harsh way. And then there are even threats against your loved ones that keep you from walking out. Now, that doesn't mean that people don't. Some people are very brave, but uh, they do so and they take risks. Oh, that is... No wonder the person looks terrified. Um, and, you know, I know people can't understand that, but at times, but if the person truly believes that they would kill their family or kill them or kill the people left behind, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Kill, exactly. the, kill the other people, um, you know, unbelievable. And since we have a few questions here, I'm actually going to go through this break because I, I don't want to uh, cause listeners to not be able to get answers to some of the questions that were sent to me. Um, and this one comes from Jerry in Kansas, and the question is, uh, Kevin, can you tell me, in your opinion, what percentage of people in slavery are children? Well, also a very good question, but I have to tell you, I don't think anyone knows the answer to that question. Uh, we don't have good what would take census data on men and women and children in slavery. I'll tell you my, uh, my opinion, which I can't say is fact. And while we tend to think in the United States of people being caught up in human trafficking and slavery as being women and children, I have to say in lots of countries around the world where I've been, there are, there are millions of, of men who are enslaved. And in, and in the, largest place, the places where the largest numbers are enslaved in South Asia, it's very common that whole families are enslaved. So my, my guess is that the breakdown of men and women and children is about the same as it is in the rest of the population, with the exception that slaveholders really aren't interested in elderly people because they can't get as much work out of them. And, uh, and so I think it's a younger, a younger group of people in slavery, but I think it's about equal between men, women, and children. At the same time, of course, it's always remember important to remember that that you know in virtually every culture, if not every culture, women are more vulnerable than men, and children are more vulnerable than women, and girls are the most vulnerable of all. And that vulnerability often translates into enslavement. And that is horrifying when you think about it. Um, Kevin, for people listening to the show, can you explain to them what human trafficking is? Well, human trafficking is, is, a, is actually a fairly recent term, and it basically describes that process by which a person is moved from one place to another and ends up in a situation of slavery. You know, a lot of the people who come to the United States and end up in slavery as human trafficking victims actually think they were they were being smuggled. That's one of the great deals for criminals, for human traffickers, because they can get people to pay them to smuggle them into a country. And then when they get them into a country and away from their families and support systems, when they can beat them up and take their documents and threaten them, they can not only make a profit on what the person gave them to smuggle into the country, but then turn them into a slave. So that, that's what trafficking's about. It's about moving a person from a place of safety, or at least relative safety, into a situation of enslavement. And uh, Mary, let me get this right, Marion, Marion from Virginia. Uh, Mr. Bells, can you tell me, uh, with human trafficking, is the majority of that sexual trafficking or, or not? In the United States, to the best of our analysis, and a big piece of research was done on this a a few years ago, Uh, human uh, trafficking into sexual exploitation was slightly less than than half of all trafficking victims. But at the same time, it was the largest proportion. So it was just under half, and then the next highest was domestic service, the next highest after that was agricultural work, and then there were a lot of categories afterwards. So yes, around the world, there is a lot of trafficking into commercial sexual exploitation. But I think it's important to remember that that's not all. Trafficking 
is not all of slavery. In fact, most people who are caught up in slavery are not moved from one place to another. And most people who are caught up in slavery around the world are not caught up in commercial sexual exploitation. You know what this reminds me of? You know, this is all about money. The bottom line, this all comes back to money. Because when you think about uh, slavery in the United States, in the South, why were those, uh, you know, landowners have those beautiful mansions and have so much money? Well, if you have free labor in the cotton fields and doing all the work, of course you're going to have a profit. And really, money does drive a lot of this because, you know, the person is doing the work, but no one's paying the individual. And I would have to say that that greed and desire for money has to be the main uh, thread here. Is that true? Well, it, it's a criminal enterprise, and, and no one enslaves anyone to be mean to them. They enslave people to make a profit. Uh, and, it, and like a lot of criminal enterprises, it's a very profitable, very, very profitable way to go. You know, it's not like if you, if you bring a load of drugs into the United States, you can sell those drugs and make a lot of money, but you can only sell them once. You can bring a human being into the United States and use them over and over and sell them over and over. It's, uh, and, and, and in fact, the chances of you being caught for doing so are rather lower than if you were bringing in drugs. So, of course, absolutely. And, and one of the, one of the threats that we have to face about this is that profit margins on slave labor around the world are much higher than they were in the past, much higher than they were in the, in the, in the time before the Civil War in the United States. And likewise, the cost of human beings, the cost of acquiring a person as a slave, has absolutely collapsed compared to human history. For most of human history, slaves have been capital purchase items. You know, the, the average cost of, a, of an average slave in, this, in the United States before the Civil War, in today's money, was somewhere between forty and fifty thousand dollars. So we're talking about a, a pretty hefty investment. Whereas the average cost of a human being today, averaged around the world, is about one hundred dollars. Oh. Uh, it, it's more in places like the United States and Western Europe, but it's still in the low thousands. Now there, there's been a complete collapse in the in the in the price of human beings. Wow. Well, Kevin. Uh, you are the founder of Free the Slaves, and I'm wondering, what are we doing to stop slavery, and, and how can our listeners help you? Well, in terms of what are we doing, and if you're especially thinking about America, America what's America doing, and if, if that's the we... Yes, that's what I know, mean. The, 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 there's good news there on many levels, because... Uh, we have a special office in the State Department which is dedicated to this work. We're getting more and more training into the FBI. I was recently teaching large groups of FBI agents and so forth. That's all good, uh, and, the, and things are moving in the right direction. Our difficulty is still all about resources. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll give you a, 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 an example of this. You know, We have about 17,000 murders in America every year. 17,000 murders, and we have something like 17,000 people who are brought into the United States each year as trafficking victims, but we have about 40 to 50,000 people who are trained homicide specialists in our police departments, but if we talk about how many specialists do we have for human trafficking and slavery, it's around 100, maybe 200, and likewise, we spend something like $4 billion on homicide for 17,000 murders, and we spend maybe $100 million across everything on slavery and human trafficking. So we've got these crimes, which are both very serious and about the same size, but one, murder, has a clear-up rate of about 70%, and slavery and human trafficking has a clear-up rate of about 1%. Now, you know, if you flip those numbers around, we'd all be both terrified and horrified. You know, if you picked up the, you know, the, the Washington Post tomorrow morning and the headline said, you know, murder, murder cases now solved as high as 1%, we'd all be shocked. It'd be like everyone was getting away with murder. Well, the truth is all those criminals are getting away with slavery. 
Wow. Yeah, isn't that amazing when you think of the correlation that way? That is amazing. And you know what I'm wondering, Kevin, is you know how when you go to an airport, they're always telling you if you see any suspicious behavior, tell a TSA agent or tell a policeman around you. What could we be looking for so that we could call the FBI or we could tell the police? Are there any things we could be looking for um, that would tip us off that this could be slavery? Well, yeah, I, I think I think there's there are things that almost any one of us would recognize. It's not it's not enormously difficult. You know, if you if you were to see, for example, um, uh, say a man or an old or a wo- or a, an adult woman, but who had a couple of children in tow, but they didn't look related. In fact, and the children looked fearful, or teenagers who looked fearful, and they're and they're and they're perhaps speaking not speaking English, and I don't just mean Spanish or any one of our, our normal languages, but there was an idea that, you know, they, they just, something didn't look right. Like there was fear, there might be uh, bruises, uh, certainly there would be the, the notion that the, any documents, the passports or, or identification would be handled by one person and not held by the people that looked more fearful. Those are all the kinds of indicators. I mean, I think it's I think it's been wonderful that in the last couple of years, flight attendants have been getting very interested in this and asking for training. And because of that, flight attendants on airplanes have begin have begun to report cases and and discover cases, which which have been then apprehended when the planes have landed. The other thing that I think is well worth a mention is, of course, the fact that we have a human trafficking hotline in the United States. 24 hours a day, any language, it's a great operation. And may I give the number? Yes, please. It's, it's a very easy number, 888-3737-888. So 888-3737-888. Well, that's an easy number to remember. And I hope when you, when you hear this, hey, if you think, oh, I think, but I'm not positive, still, still, still call. Because, you know, these things happen where we're 90% sure, but not 100% sure. But, uh, you know, it's a human being's life. That you know, when, that we did, when we did a big piece of research a number of years ago on, on trafficking and slavery in the United States, we were amazed to discover that about one-third of the cases of slavery that were identified came about because of a good Samaritan. You know, someone who just saw something that didn't look right and decided to reach out or make a call or ask some questions. One third of all the cases that came to light. And, you know, the, the thing that we'll never know is how many people saw that same child or that same young woman or whomever and then didn't make that call, thought, well, that's not really any of my business. I don't know. It looks really fishy. She looks kind of hurt, but I'm not going to do any, I, you know, I don't know if I should make, I don't want to get involved. I mean, how many, was it one in ten, a hundred, a thousand people who passed that person who was in slavery before the Good Samaritan got there and helped them out? I mean, if we can up that ratio, then a lot of people are going to come out of slavery. Well, isn't that the truth? That That is really remarkable when you mention, you know, how many people... It has been good Samaritans that have made this difference. And, Kevin, before we go to break, I did want to ask you about some of your newer books and also what you would recommend our listeners purchase first if they're listening to the show and they're saying, wow, this is really interesting, I want to know more about it, um, and how could they buy them? Sure. I think, I think the one I would recommend to, to listeners is the book called Ending Slavery, how We Free Today's Slaves. Uh, it's a book that, that, that after I wrote Disposable People and we had a, a really good sense of the problem, we then went to work for seven years and produced a book that is all about the solution of how we can bring slavery to an end, not just in the United States but around the world. So it's called Ending Slavery. You, you can put that into Amazon, Google. You can get it at your bookstores. You can buy it as a Kindle or an ebook. It's very easy to get off our website, freetheslaves.net, and so forth. Uh, the other book that I would mention is a is a more recent book that that 
uh, if you're interested in, in contemporary slavery in the United States, uh, with a man named Ron Sudalter about two years ago, public, we published a book that's called The Slave Next Door. So The Slave Next Door, and that's about slavery in America today and what our government is doing and what it's not doing and what we might want to do as citizens and what your church and community and school might do and so forth. And, again, how do they buy these books? How do our listeners... These these books are available pretty much everywhere. They may not be sitting in every bookstore, but any bookstore could grab it for you. You can certainly get them off Amazon or any of the other booksellers. You can buy them off our website. I mean, it's it's an easy one, and and they're all available in e-books as well. Would you mind repeating your website? It's easy. Free the slaves, all one word. Dot net. So free the slaves, all one word. Dot net. Okay, free the slaves. Dot net. First of all, it's very educational, but at the same time, this is a way to easily purchase one of Kevin's books. And I would really encourage you to do that because I know the impact it had on me. Now, we're going to get ready to go to break. But before we go to break, I have to say happy birthday, Brad, my engineer, because I know it's his birthday tomorrow. And he is the best. Great. Happy birthday. All right. We're going to get ready to go to break. And when we come back, we'll talk more to Kevin Bills, co-founder of Free the Slaves, author, abolitionist, just a great champion. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Hoffman Connection for inspiration, a life of passion and purpose. Hosts Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon will bring you ways to remove the blocks in your life that are holding you back. Along with their guest experts, Raz and Ed will use their experience and expertise to help you learn to get closer to what matters to you most. And by doing so, improve your life and the lives of others. The Hoffman Connection can be heard live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back to the show. We're with Kevin Bales, co-founder of Free the Slaves, author of many books on this subject, and really world-renowned on his work, Stopping Slavery. And, you know, I did have a question, Kevin. I wonder, do you work at all with World Vision? Because I noticed on their website they have different things about human trafficking. We we do work uh, in the same areas and certainly cooperate with World Vision uh, when our when our zones over overlap, there, the, World Vision has done some really good work on human trafficking, 
and uh, and of course their their reach is so great. So I know they've done a lot of great work in southern India, Southeast Asia, all over the world. And we try to work with you know a lot of people. I mean the other one is the International Justice Mission. We work often very closely with them uh, because they they tend to work where places where they can bring lawyers to bear when the rule of law works. And then I have to say, free the slaves. We tend to work in those areas where the rule of law doesn't work. So it's a little more rough and ready. So we'll often swap off if we think their lawyers will do a better job than, and they'll ask us to come in where the lawyers won't be able to get much traction. Yeah. And by the way, I've always wanted to ask you this. Do do you or anyone affiliated with you, do they ever go in and try to uh, help these people escape? I mean, do you ever do that or not? Oh, that's, that's, that's one of the main things that we do. That's most of our work of our organization is, is liberation and then re, rehabilitation and reintegration. And that happens in several different ways. I mean, you can learn about all the different ways on the website, but we do everything from kicking in doors to rescue children who are enslaved weaving carpets to doing community organizing work with villages that are caught in hereditary forms of slavery uh we you know that we we basically do our best to get people out of slavery every day in every way that I that we can and and while our organization does work in policy and communications and research and so forth you know we're very proud to make sure that the majority of our funds and the majority of our work and the, I have to say the majority of our staff as well are all dedicated to on the ground liberation rehabilitation and reintegration of people to help them become full active citizens who can support themselves and get good education. I asked you that, uh, and that is what I assumed, because a lot of our listeners wanted to know that. And I think it's important to know that this is not just Kevin talking about it, writing about it, but, I mean, you're actually doing something about it. And to me, that part's very important. Well, I I don't think I could live with myself if if I knew a lot about slavery and didn't actually take action to get people out of slavery. Now, I, I will tell you, Joyce, we don't do a lot of that within the United States. And the reason why is that, that when we got started, we realized there were already some very good groups in the United States who were doing that work, like the Polaris Project. And we thought, we'll go to those areas around the world that are getting less attention and have very large numbers of people in slavery and see what we can't do there to begin to crack crack this problem open. Now, is that dangerous for your... I would think it is dangerous for your staff doing this work. It, I have to admit that sometimes it is dangerous, and, and it's also true that sometimes our staff have been attacked and beaten up and put in the hospital. Uh, we haven't lost anyone so far, but sometimes that also happens with some of our partner organizations, that people have been killed. Uh, you know, you can't... You can't go taking slaves away to freedom from the grips of violent criminals and not expect those violent criminals to react. But I also have to say, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking very carefully about how do we avoid violence? How do we make sure that we can get people to safety and, and to security without that risk of violence? Uh, and we just do it, work as hard as we can to make sure that people are safe and secure after living in the in the in the constant violence of slavery. Well, you know, Kevin, I don't know those people, but even if I don't know them, I can already tell you I love them. You know, I think one of my my great goals is to is to help Americans, especially, understand that Frederick Douglass is alive and well. Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth. There are people around the world who are, who are just like our great heroes of abolition, our ex-slaves who become slave freers, you know, people who become real liberators. They're out there doing that work every day in the same kind of danger that Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth face. Uh, but we don't hear much about those heroes. And to me, they're, they're about the biggest heroes in the world. Yeah, I agree with you. That's why I said, even if I don't know them, I know I love them. And yeah. uh, my hat's off to every one of them because what tremendous... You know, I always tell people there isn't anything more important than a life. And to me, 
wow, talk about freedom. It's not just freedom, it's saving lives. So to me, that is really unbelievable. But I did want to make sure I talked about something, Kevin, um, on the show today, and that is the cocoa industry and how that's tied to slavery and really other commonly used products that are tied to slavery. Um, and by the way, now that I've talked to Kevin, you know, he's pointed out to me there are even other things which is going to come out in one of his new books released next year. But first, Kevin, explain how these products are tied to slavery. Well, all around the world, you know, these criminal slaveholders uh, are, are ready to use slaves to get any kind of product out and to sell that product. And, of course, if you're a, if you're a person who's willing to enslave children or adults to grow cocoa or to grow cotton or to pick coffee or to mine gold or to mine minerals that you need for your cell phones or, or, to, or to process, catch and process fish or shrimp, you know, they're going to do that if, if the rule of law, if the local law enforcement doesn't keep an eye on them and make sure it doesn't happen. And the fact of the matter is, is that slave-made goods, I, I doubt if, you, if there's any person listening right now that doesn't have some slavery in some, some product or, or commodity that's in their home right now. Now, that's, that's sort of the bad news and the shocking news. If there's a, if there's a positive side to this, it is that there, the amount of slavery in any product is in any you know, in, in, a, in a large commodity, is actually a very small fraction. So there are people in slavery in cocoa in West Africa, but they don't make up the majority of people who, or even the, uh, a very significant minority. It may only be 2%, 1%, may, probably no more than 5%. So the amount of cocoa that's flowing into the global economy is mostly slave-free, but what the problem is is it's very hard to find those parts of it that are made by slaves because the slaveholders work hard to make sure that it just enters the product chain without us knowing it. Now, that's, that's, not, that's completely unacceptable at many levels for us as consumers, for the businesses that work with those products and so forth. But the good news is, again, you know, we've got, we've got some new ways to approach that. And one of the most exciting is a law that was just came into effect in California on the 1st of January, which requires all large companies to put on their websites precisely what they're doing to get slavery out of their product chain. It doesn't find them if, they, if they're not doing much, it, and it doesn't, in fact, find them if they say, we've decided to do nothing. But then, of course, the consumers can take care of that themselves. The consumers can say, well you know, you're not doing anything, I think I won't buy your products. But that consumer trend, that, that, sorry, that business transparency law is really moving a lot of companies to think hard about the slavery in their product chains. And we're getting so many inquiries and working with companies and lots of people now tracing their supply chains in a way that they've never done before. Well, that brings me to a question here from Linda in Maine, and that question would be, uh, Kevin, my friends and I have talked about this frequently, and I'm referring to products that are, in our opinion, slave products. Here's the question. Is there any way that you can research or look at the website or something to know which products are a result of slavery? Well, there is and there isn't. I, I mean, I, I'm sorry I, I don't have a better answer to this, but the, the reason why it's hard to answer is, is what I mentioned a moment ago, the fact that the amount of slavery in any commodity or any product is very, very small. So it sort of creeps in in an insidious way. You know, I'm wearing a cotton T-shirt right now. There, we know that there's slavery in cotton, but the cotton from Uzbekistan at places in India and West Africa which are touched with slave labor, will then flow into the global cotton market and get mixed up with all this other. So here's the answer to the question, the best answer I can give is, one, yeah, if you buy fair trade goods, you know, with a fair trade stamp, and often even organic goods, it's much more likely that those goods will not be touched by slavery. At the same time, if you really want interested in a particular product from a particular company, 
make sure that company knows you want it to be slave-free and that you're expecting them to look down their supply chain to, to, to double-check, to, to make triply sure that their product isn't polluted. But it's not that, you know, any of these companies out here are necessarily thinking with in gleeful evil, oh, good, we can get slavery into our product. Most of them don't even know it's there until someone pushes them to look and dig down to the bottom of their supply chain. Right. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, all we continue to do is continue to be educated, uh, and, and what you're doing is helping so much. I did want to mention one thing. Uh, our show, Disability Matters, you know, I told this story to Kevin once before, and I'm sure this happens frequently. Um, but the story I told him uh, is that there were uh, this group of people in Las Vegas that were doing work uh, in, in construction, and they were deaf, and they were Latino. So here we are. We're deaf, and we do not speak English. And fortunately for them, they just happened to meet this priest who spoke Spanish and sign language and found out that this whole group of people were in slavery. I mean, we talked about that on one other show, which would lead me to think, uh, Kevin, that people with disabilities would be one of those vulnerable groups uh, for this slavery. That's absolutely the case. And, you know, there was another case in which uh, there were Latinos who were deaf who were put out on the streets of New York to beg or to sort of sell, you know, to sell little pencils with a note that said, please help me, I'm deaf. And they were being under the complete control of human traffickers, all the stuff I mentioned before, locked into a room, 30 of them at night, beaten, sexually assaulted, you know, locked up, brutalized. Uh, But they were isolated by their disability. They were isolated by their deafness. They were isolated by the fact that they were uh, Latino, uh, you know, in the sense that they were uh, sort of, shy and small and, you know, that they were, were seen as another. And so even though they were standing on the street corners of New York City with thousands of people walking by them, they were doubly sort of invisible. One, because they're Latino, and, and secondly, because they were deaf. And it, and it took a long time for that case to, to come, to, come to, to, to the attention of the authorities. Now, there's two different stories. You can see one thing in common there is people who are deaf. And if you go, by the way, to any of the websites uh, with, um, you know, from National Organization of the Deaf or different groups, you sometimes will hear stories like this where the person was put in doing work but not paid. But once again, if you're deaf and if you talk to people and they don't know sign language and if you don't speak, how the heck would anyone know this is happening? And at at the same time, uh, this has happened to people with intellectual disabilities. So, you know, uh, our own world of disability, throughout the world, I guarantee you that this is a major impact. I agree. And I I think it's an interesting parallel that human traffickers in the United States will often use very strong drugs to diminish the capacity of the people they traffic and to keep them under control. It's a, you know, it's a way of, in a sense, knocking them down with what is fundamentally a, a chemical disabling drug to make sure that they can maintain that exploitation and control over them. Yeah, there's a, that's, that is another example. And that is why, for everyone listening to this show, remember... This reminds me of when you hear me talk about epilepsy, and I always say a seizure is a seizure anywhere in the world. Well, the same thing here. When you have a disability, this is just an issue that could impact you more, but it's the same, and it's not just here. It's throughout the world, Um, and that's why I think it is so important for all of us to understand this uh, and to keep our eyes open to see what could, could be happening. Um, and that's why I think adults with disabilities are far more vulnerable in many cases. Um, and, you know, whether the person has a seeing uh, impairment, is deaf, 
has an intellectual disability uh, or some disability that's chronic. You know, for example, imagine if, like me, you have epilepsy and you were Latino and the person that had you would withhold your medication unless you did what they said. This means you would be having seizures. I mean, I, I can envision all types of things that could occur to people living with disabilities. So that's why I believe that what Kevin is doing is good for all of us, all people of all types throughout the world. And uh, that that is a question, actually, I have about helping you. How do you receive your funding? Well, I'll, I'll be happy to tell you that a lot of our funding comes from individuals who uh, look at our website and make a donation, and, and, and that's fantastic. You know, and I, I'll also say you know, there's, there's something called Charity Navigator, which is an independent body that, that checks up on charities uh, and to make sure they're accountable and they don't spend too, any, too much money on, on frivolous things and so forth. They have a four, they have a rating of one to four stars, and I'm happy to say that we we have a four star rating. We're we're kind of guaranteed to be a a, a sterling silver kind of uh, charity to give money to. But we you know that's because we believe every penny's got to go to getting people out of slavery. We also get uh, funding from foundations. We get funding from the U.S. government, particularly the State Department, uh, because their anti-slavery and anti-trafficking work around the world in other countries. Uh, they they've often uh, asked us to uh, to do some of that work for them, and so the answer is you know uh, it's always a resource question in our field these days. And I'd be and 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 the answer is we'll we'll take we'll take donations from almost anybody or grants from almost anybody. And that would be at freetheslaves.net. That's right. And just so you all know, you know when it's birthdays or something special and you're wanting to do something for someone that is more meaningful, last year over the holidays, I did make a donation to Free the Slaves in other people's name. Oh, thank you. I didn't know that, Joyce. Thank you. And, um, and you know, for everyone, what could be more important than this? I mean, really, think about it. Thank what you're doing. So I would encourage every one of you listening to the show to, you know, go to this freetheslaves.net, make a contribution. Always remember, doesn't matter how small, it matters that you give. And if you give, you're part of the greater good here. You're part of this whole initiative. You may not be there knocking down doors, but you're enabling them to hire people that can knock down those doors and provide them with the resources that they need. And, Kevin, I have two last questions. And, you know, for the past nine years, I have asked everyone these two last questions. And as time moves on, the answer frequently changes. But my question is, at this time in your life, over the past year, what would you consider your greatest accomplishment? Oh, and I always stumble when you ask me this question, too. You know, I have to say, we, we've just gone through a kind of 10-year review from when we set up Free the Slaves, and, and, and I have to say I'm feeling good about it. <laughs> you know, you, you, when you do a startup, it, it's a big struggle. It's kind of like having a baby or something in terms of the pain and suffering that you get at the beginning. But, but I have to say, looking back today and seeing the thousands of people who were in slavery 10 years ago who are living full lives in freedom now, I can't really do anything but feel great about that. Well, no wonder you would feel great about it. I mean, that is a phenomenal thing to feel great about and for everyone else that is involved with what you're doing. Um, and once again, that's why I encourage all of you, freetheslaves.net, to make a contribution and become educated. You know, if you want to really have an impact, just go to that website and read about the survivor stories and, you know, how these people were freed and what their life was like before. Um, and, and this is terrible throughout the world. I heard the uh, contemporary Christian artist Natalie Grant uh, talk about when she went to India and she saw this little girl in some type of, um, cage or something, and that 
she was just looking out and looking at her, and she locked with those eyes, and she said, I'll never be the same again. And that is what it is throughout the world. Um, I mean, I couldn't believe when I read Kevin's first book about Thailand uh, and the sex trade there, and it was with children that were so young that I could barely read it. And I thought, wow, what is going on in this world? Um, but again, you can be part of the change by making a contribution today, net. So, Kevin, first I want to thank you for what you're doing. I mean, I just want to tell you how honored we are to have you on the show today. Oh, thank you. And, you know, I just, I feel so fortunate. I feel so blessed to get to do what I'm doing. So, so you're, you're very welcome, but I, I, I'm thankful for it too, for the chance. Yeah, and I can guarantee you, just like my crusade is employment for people with disabilities, once it becomes a crusade to you, it's all-consuming. That's right. That's it's right. all-consuming. So, Kevin, we will be watching you. We will be following you. We will definitely have you on the show again so you can talk about your new book. But if you had a message that you wanted to leave with our listeners today, what would that message be? Yeah, I'm going to say this. Joyce, you've done a great job of telling people to go to the website, but you've also pointed to all the things that are sort of horrible and unhappy about slavery, which, of course, it is. But I wanted to tell people, if you look on our website, you'll also see the joy and the beauty and the excitement that comes with liberation and people coming to freedom. It's it's not a sad story all over. In fact, it's one of the most happy stories anyone could ever hear is about what happens when people come out of slavery. And a lot of our website is all about that and the joy of liberation. Oh, I can't imagine. Because I often talk about um, seeing the dignity and the respect that a person with a disability acquires when they finally are employed after years of no one wanted to hire them. This is like 100,000 times beyond that. I mean, I cannot possibly imagine how you feel seeing that as you said that joy that has to be priceless it uh, it absolutely is well hey thanks again kevin and we end every show with a quote from a famous civil rights leader or someone who is changing the world and that quote today is slavery is theft theft of a life theft of work theft of any property or produce, theft even of the children a slave might have born, says Kevin Bales. And you can make a difference today to help bring that joy Kevin's talking about. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. See you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.